Warning, the following podcast is a shit show, and the individuals you are about to meet are idiots. Their opinions, anecdotes, and advice contain zero nutritional value. This is the critical human condition and all of its strangeness. This is life, according to an idiot. We are now recording. Ooh, Jeremy. We are recording. It's spring, officially. Spring has sprung. The spring has sprung, and I am at... Less it. depressed. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm 100%. Like, I always kind of forget how seasonally depressed I get until yeah. I experience it. Because every single winter, I'm like, I'm moving away. I have to move away. I can't do this again. This is way too much for me. Like, I can't deal with the cold weather anymore. And then as soon as spring hits, I'm like, this is great. Yeah. Why was I ever considering moving? Like, this is so fine. Like, I feel like I can fly Mm -hmm. now. Like, I can't remember what sadness was. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but um, (laughs) (laughs) at least now I have a runny nose from all the pollen. Mm -hmm. But I always forget every winter. I forget how good spring and summer is. And then Mm -hmm. every spring and summer, I forget how bad winter is. So I feel like I'm constantly never learning. Yeah. We're in Michigan, so the winters are bad. Nowadays, I feel like more than when we were kids, the summers are way hotter than they used to be. Yeah. Probably global warming. It's probably our planet isn't in distress. Mm -hmm. The winters are more harsh and the summers are more harsh. I don't mind being hot if I'm outside. If I'm outside and hot, then I'm happy. Like I'm just glad that I'm experiencing anything at all and that I'm just alive and this is a sensation that I get to have. Whereas, yeah. like, if I'm cold, I'm just pissed off. There's nothing to winter. It's just nope. dead, and it's gloomy, and it's just sad. Even if it's hot, at least there's, like, a fucking bunny hopping around somewhere. You know <laughs> Dang, what I mean? At least there's a bunny. I always say it to myself. At least somewhere there's a rabbit, and I can take comfort in that, knowing that somewhere a rabbit continues to thrive. <laughs> um, what about being hot inside, though? That, That's one of the seven circles of hell. But also, hear me out. When it's like a nice spring evening and it's hot outside, but you open all the windows open and stuff. Open those windows. Oh, oh, that is like heaven right it there. I could I could cream just from that. Yep. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, weather's making me cream. Do you have any spring traditions? Like usually people do like the spring cleaning, right? Do you have, like, anything like that that you do? Like, do you purge your closet or, like, start a um, fucking garden or some shit like that? Well, I'm not that proactive. But I would (laughs) say—see, I'm not—I'm too disorderly to have traditions. Yep. Yeah, I just sort of go with the flow, which is code for lose track of time and have no grasp on my life or reality. (laughs) Um, I do like to clean out stuff, too. But it's more driven by, oh, my God, I need to clean this out rather than it's nice outside. I should clean out my closet. You Mm -hmm. know, because like I also never really understood where that connection came from. Yeah. It's springtime. But also let's get rid of our old VHS tapes. (laughs) It's like a weird connection. Well, I think it, at least for me, it stems from throughout the winter, I'm just trying to survive. Hmm. Like I'm in full hibernation mode. And then as soon as like the birds start chirping, I just remembered again all at once that I was living. Yeah. And then I look around and I have to assess every single thing going on in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And part of that is recognizing that I just have so much junk. Yeah. Because I think spring is, you see it as like a new beginning. Yeah. In the wintertime, like I think of my bedroom. Mm -hmm. In the wintertime, my window just doesn't open. Mm -hmm. Fresh air has not been in my room for like six months. The first time you crack open that window and it smells like grass. Oh, yeah. And dirt. Yeah, it smells like life. Do you want like a truly transformative experience? Okay. Open up your window. I didn't say yes. it's, It's dark. It's dark. It's nighttime. Everyone's asleep. It's quiet. You can hear the wind rustling the leaves. You crack open your window and you get like that nice kind of warm summer air coming into your room. You light a candle and you just start writing. You're journaling, you're writing a letter, and suddenly you're a pilgrim back in like Hold the on. fucking 1600s <laughs> who's oh, writing to, I see a, what you mean. to a lover. Okay, okay. You know, you're, you're just hanging yes. out by candlelight yeah. with a slight summer breeze and nothing else is more primal than you in that moment. Yeah, that that's true. It's very like back to the basics. Mm-hmm. I am a pilgrim and I'm writing to Mary Beth saying, oh, let me see those ankles. <laughs> um, speaking of ankles, America has a new president. Why is that? I mean, so what the <laughs> fuck? I don't know. I just wanted to 
segue into something that I want to talk about because oh. I think it's cool. So as everyone knows, election season passed. By this point, it's actually been a couple months now. Yeah. But it's been like half a year. It's been half a year now. <laughs> uh, and I'm ready to talk about it. No, so <laughs> it got me thinking about, you know, watching the debates and things. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how I got here, but I got in a Wikipedia rabbit hole mm. and I ended up in presidential heights. How tall is the president, oh, past presidents, wow. candidates for presidency? Ooh, can I make guesses? Sure. Who do you think was the tallest president? Um, definitely Abraham Lincoln. Yes, correct. Now, how <laughs> tall do you think he was? Oh, he was like obnoxiously tall. I'm going to say he was six foot six. <laughs> Honestly, that was a pretty good guess. Thank you very he was much. Six foot four. Wow. Now, who do you think the shortest one is? This is a tough one because it's one of the old old guys. Hmm. Roosevelt. <laughs> you mean the one that was in the wheelchair? Yeah. <laughs> Te- technically, technically, he was <laughs> half the height of a normal man. Um, no, the shortest president was James Madison, who served as our littlest commander in chief, measuring five feet seven inches. Wow. Who's five foot seven? I have a fun fact about Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, mm-hmm. She was gay. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Some people don't know that, which I think is funny. Very prolific first lady. She was amazing. Way ahead of their time. Exactly. I think Eleanor Roosevelt was probably a pretty tall broad. She was definitely tall. I feel like she was butch. She has a tall face. If you look at her, her, her teeth are tall. Mm-hmm. If your teeth are tall, you're going to be tall. was definitely the dominating one, I think. Yeah. Out of the two. Yeah. Well, he always had to be a bottom because his legs didn't work. <laughs> Carry me, Eleanor. And she's just like choking him while his <laughs> legs don't work. Yeah. We're not even having sex. She's just choking him. Yeah. Uh, okay. So another related Wikipedia gold mine is a data table called Comparative Table of Heights of United States Presidential Candidates. Oh, okay. How tall is Biden? I'm going to get to that. Oh. I'm going to get to that. So the table compares the heights of each front runner from every presidential election ever. Mm. Al Gore is definitely the shortest. Al Gore. Yeah. No, I think he was actually pretty average height. I didn't even take a note of him. That's how insignificant he seemed. Wow. So. <laughs> he has short guy energy to me. <laughs> he just has like the energy of somebody who no one listens to. You yeah. feel smaller in that regard. Mm-hmm. On average, the taller of the two candidates won the presidency. Wow. For a majority of it. The shorter candidate won in 22 out of 59 elections since 1789. In 2020, Joe Biden was the shorter winner because he's five foot eleven point five inches. I was gonna guess five eleven. Yep. And then Trump is six foot three. Wow, he's pretty, tall. He's pretty tall. Wow. Yeah. He's almost the tallest. Yeah. Our shortest president, like I said, was James Madison, and he was up against an opponent that was eleven inches taller than him. Whoa. Dewitt Clinton was six foot three, which mm. I imagine in 1812 was probably pretty tall. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like just That's visually crazy. watching them debate would be. I think there's a psychology to trusting taller people. Mm-hmm. There's that statistic where so many CEOs are all like over six foot tall. Wow. I had no idea. There's some correlation between height and like success. Power. power, yeah. I would say power, power. and authority. Yeah, definitely. authority for sure. The most interesting subcategory on this data table, elections where the winner and opponent were the same height, which I feel like would be probably kind of rare. Yeah. Um, so the election of 1832, Andrew Jackson versus Henry Clay, they were both six foot one. In 1884, Grover Cleveland and James G. Blaine, they were both 5'11". 1992, Bill Clinton and George Bush, both six foot two. And then 2012, Barack Obama and Mitt Romney were the same height, six feet, one and a half inches. Hmm. I never thought Romney was as tall as Obama. That's so strange. You know? How tall are you? I feel like you're taller than I think you are every single time I ask, because I'm 5'8". You're 5'8"? Yeah. You are a bit taller than me, so... I am 5'11". Yeah, okay, that's what I was going to guess, yeah. Yeah. I always thought you were like 5'10 or something. Really? You, always, you seem so tall to me. You're very slender. Yeah, I always compare myself to Slender Man. I have a very <laughs> Slender Man um, presence to me, I think. Yes, you, you always show up in the woods around children and it's mm-hmm. ominous. There's not much of a torso. I guess there's not really... You're honestly very Palladian. What if I'm an alien hybrid? Yep. And all they gave me was a short torso and long limbs. They said, good luck. What if I meditate and then I can talk to them because I'm a starseed? I, I think you have starseed energy. Yeah. I, I think I think maybe. I think you could also have starseed energy. No, I, I think I have too much doubt. Ooh, I'm not a true yeah. believer in any sense of anything. I was going to ask you. This actually was a whole question I was going to ask you. Um, 
outside of the podcast, but I'll add it to the podcast. This is like a whole thought experiment I had on a drive one day. Okay. Which one of us do you think is more likely to join a cult? You. <laughs> Hands down, you would join a cult way before I did. I'm not saying that I wouldn't join a cult. Yeah. But I think if somebody was timing us with a stopwatch and seeing mm-hmm. who's going to do it first, it would definitely be you. Mm-hmm. You're more of a searcher than I am. I think I'm more willing to do crazy out-of-the-box things on a whim. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, I would be, like, really into it for, like, five months. And then I would be like, nah, I'm over it. And then fuck off. I think you could leave a cult way better than I could leave I, a cult. I was going to say, I think, if, <laughs> I think I could join and then leave, yeah. like, no problem. Yeah. I think that you would be more hesitant to join a cult. But once you did, you were in it. Yes, absolutely. And you would not leave. Yes, yeah. I'm ride or die. Yeah. But, like, I'm a hesitant ride or die. Yes. It takes a long time, but once I make up my mind, I have a hard time unmaking up my mind. Yeah. That's interesting. That's, uh, yeah. That's exactly what I kind of thought. Because I, yeah. I have very strong opinions, but I'll kind of go along with anything just to see how it goes. Yeah. And then once I have enough information to have an opinion, then I'm, like, set on it. So I feel like for a cult, I would join it just to see mm-hmm. um, kind of what was going on and what happened. And then I'm like... I don't like it. Okay, I'll never touch it again. Yeah. No, my experience would involve way more emotional trauma. I would <laughs> I would just be a mess. I'd be like, I can't leave. I can't. Mm-hmm. But then getting into it, I'd be like, no, no this way. I'm stupid. not. This is stupid. This is so, in like yeah. my first few months, I'm sure I'd be a real pain in the ass, mm-hmm. you know. And then I'd drink the Kool-Aid. I think like in an alternate universe, I got really roped up into a cult and then I persuaded you to join one with me. And then I got bored of it and left and then you were sucked in for life. That would totally happen. If we existed as ourselves in like the 60s, -hmm. we would have joined Scientology. No, I would have. I would have joined Scientology 100%. Because we're both people who are, I think, skeptical people. Yeah. But optimistic skeptics. Yeah. Like I will outwardly say none of this stuff exists. You know, I have Mm -hmm. doubts about everything. But if I get the smallest piece of evidence, I'm like, well, maybe. Actually, hold on. (laughs) Because, like, I just want things to be, I want answers. If you put it in, like, a documentary format where there's, like, intense music and there's enough people (laughs) in a dark room with a light centered on them Mm -hmm. telling their stories, within two hours, I'll probably believe you. Yeah, I'm a little bit convinced, totally. There's some nugget here to the truth. I'm buying it. Well, even with tarot, I've picked up tarot and there's definitely, like, some sort of bias there. But, like, every time I've done a reading for somebody... They always are like, oh, that's like eerily accurate no, for me. I hate tarot. Very skeptical of it. And you recently, what do you call it? Did a reading. Yeah. And like it was so, for the moment in my life, like it was a, a bit of a turbulent moment. You gave me this reading and it was so eerily accurate. Mm-hmm. It made me uncomfortable for a while. Yeah. And I feel so embarrassed to say like, yeah, man. Tarot. Whoa, tarot. Because it's like, what is it? The 1700s. I'm going to be like simping for tarot cards now. But it's I, fun. Um, I never want myself to get too soft in terms of yeah. with ideas. So I'm always actively trying to harden my beliefs mm-hmm. towards things that are more skeptical and logical. For sure, yeah. So that when I get an excuse to believe in something whimsical, it's such a relief. Yeah. I can turn my brain off and just say, higher powers are in Spooky. control of this. And I think the nice thing with tarot that's kind of cool, I won't like go too, too crazy into it, but it's like an alternative perspective to things. And it just like kind of forces you to look at things from like an outside perspective, which I think can be really helpful, you know, kind of like a self-care thing, which I think is kind of nice. Yeah. But long story short, we definitely would have been Scientologists. Or something similar to that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not the Manson family, but, you know, I don't want to be involved in a murder cult. There would have to be like a corporate veneer to it. There would have to be a corporate veneer and then also the possibility of orgies to keep me interested. Potentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I'm going to bail. Yeah, because I'm also an indulgent person, so... I'm going to want at least the promise of riches because Scientology also mm-hmm. a big thing that got people into it was like, we'll help you find work. Yeah. Yeah. We'll help you network. Exactly. That would also be attractive. And I think I might still join. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's check out the website. I will only join if I can watch L. Ron Hubbard masturbate into parchment. Yes. I want to be the moon child. Right. Okay. I have an only on the interwebs for you. Oh, that's a segment that we do sometimes. It is. And we haven't done it in a little while, so I'm going to ring that one back in here. Only on the interwebs. So there was an ask credit thread uh, two months ago. Hold on, it sounds like you just said ass credit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 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 Ask Reddit. It's a subreddit on Reddit. 
Yes. And the prompt was, doctors, what was the best excuse you've heard for someone having something stuck in their ass? Okay, that's good. I thought some of these were very fun. So Tired Merce says he had a guy with a screwdriver up there, handle first. Mm. He was honest, said the wife wanted to try something new. Why the screwdriver? Something shaped like a dick would have been gay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, screwdriver's still shaped like a penis. I guess you could say he got screwed. (laughs) 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 Okay, so a guy walks into an ER awkwardly, and he doesn't take a seat. Already suspicious. When it's his turn, he gets called up and refuses to sit. When asked what brings him into the ER, he says he lost a glass. You know, like a tumbler. Okay, so why are you here? So says the medical personnel. And he says, well, we had a party that got out of hand last night. I was cleaning the house this morning and I noticed one of my drink glasses were missing. And I think it might be up my ass. (laughs) And it was there on the x-ray. Rim side first. Oh, my God. Rim side first. So after it disappeared up his asshole, it basically filled itself with shit. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. For people who can't visualize it, a glass tumbler is like a whiskey glass. Yeah. Like a scotch glass. Yeah. You know, the size of a typical mug. Imagine pulling that out, like what kind of sound that would make. Yeah. Also, like what party was that? (laughs) Why would you go for a glass tumbler first? Maybe that wasn't the first. Oh, man. That's naive of you. That is naive of me. How gullible you are. To think that was the start. The rest just came out easily. This one just didn't. What he did before was tie a string around it so that way he could pull it out. And this time at the party, he forgot. Yeah. He was like, hey, guys, you want to see something really funny and cool? This is going to fill up with shit, and I'm going to pull it out, and then I have a shit glass. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my God, that sounds hilarious. And he completely forgot through the excitement to put a string around it. Yeah. And then it got lost up there. Also, that has to tickle your prostate, right? That has to feel kind of good. Constant pressure. How many orgasms did he have due to this? (laughs) I don't know how that... I'm still like, why would you even see a glass tumbler and be like, I'm going for that right now? Mm -hmm. Why not something smaller, something with easier entry? That's pretty wide. It is very wide. I don't know. So what's what's another thing that's been in somebody's butt? What else is on there? We got a few different things. A guy came into an ER, claimed to have fallen out of a tree, and a branch went right up his ass. They x-rayed him, and he had this perfectly round wooden rod up his asshole. When they removed it, they saw that it was sanded, painted, and primed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Let's see. What else? (laughs) This guy um, came in, and he claimed that he was cooking naked and slipped and fell on a potato. (laughs) (laughs) What what kind of Mr. Bean episode is he living? This one, a cue ball. I can see that. He said that him and his wife were having sex and this happened, made no excuses and showed no shame. The ER doctor was able to remove it with forceps and have minor surgery to get it out. (laughs) When he came in, apparently he yelled excitedly, all right, let's get this ball rolling. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Well, that's crazy. That's interesting. So I think it's about time we jump into our segment, right? I hope that we can successfully execute this main segment. Did you just do a funny? I just did a funny, and and you're going to understand why. This episode is about public executions and uh, capital punishment throughout history and all the weirdness that comes with it. Sharing their curiosity to know the unknown, their tension, their readiness for inconceivable adventures. Is it human or inhuman? Earthly or unearthly? The proper penalty is obviously death. Have you anything to say before sentence of death is passed upon you? Off with their heads! Yes, I believe in the death penalty. This is a form of punishment that will deter crime. Unbelievable. Fantastic. But I tell you, it could happen. All right, guys, capital punishment. What is a capital punishment? You know, I'm not really sure. I thought <laughs> maybe we'd just sort of like, you know, ignore that part and just talk about chainsaws. Hmm. Did they have chainsaws back in the day? No, but soon there will. they will. S- soon they Okay. <laughs> soon they will have chainsaws as capital punishment, I mean, in my new America. All crimes 
mm-hmm. are punishable by being chainsawed. <laughs> yeah. If you could be chainsawed anywhere, where would you get chainsawed if it didn't lead to death? Probably North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so back to nothing like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so capital punishment, a.k.a. the death penalty, is a government-sanctioned practice whereby a person is put to death by the state as a punishment for a crime. A criminal is put to trial, ordered a death sentence, and the sentence is carried out in what is known as an execution. Let's lay down the etymology, the term capital, as in capital punishment, meaning of the head, alludes to execution by beheading. Isn't that fun? Wow, that's a fun fact. The execution of criminals or deviants as a whole has been practiced for all of civilization. Because as long as we've been humans, there's been bad humans. Right, and people just wanting to kill other people. Right. And they're like, how can we justify this? The opposite. How can we not justify murder? No, 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 no. How can I justify killing this person brutally? Oh, they stole my chicken feed. Okay, I guess I'll just uh, torture you alive until you slowly, slowly die. die. (laughs) (laughs) Glad we're on the same page. Executions, (laughs) Executions have stood as the ultimate deterrent for those who would commit serious crimes in a society. So the idea of capital punishment isn't just, hey, we have rules and you broke them, so now you have to die. It's that you broke the rules. We don't want anybody else breaking the rules. So if we make an example out of you Mm -hmm. in a very scary and grim way, hopefully it'll deter other people from doing similar bad stuff. Mm -hmm. Executions often involve torture and were done in public before crowds of spectators to better influence societies and make a statement to their people. Commit a crime and you pay with your life. Right. With minor crimes, sometimes it was like we just cut off a hand or we cut off an ear. Which is like weird because people loved watching executions. It, people loved it. They literally, they went in a frenzy about it. Yeah, it was like a sports event. Right. You know? Or like a One Direction concert. I, mm-hmm. oh, that's such a dated reference. Not in One Direction. Oh my God. Um, Harry Styles. Harry oh. Styles. Uh, uh, the name Harry is cruel. Alternatively, <laughs> members of society could view the brutal execution of a criminal and revel in the violent justice, allowing executions to be a kind of catharsis. Perhaps there's an argument to be made that when people would go crazy over these executions, which they did, and we'll get into that, I think part of it was just the thrill of seeing like something crazy happen. But also it was like this person did something bad that maybe they disagree with too. Like if there's a murderer... Nobody really likes a murderer. If you find out there's some guy that killed a bunch of people, you're like, that guy's a jerk automatically. Mm-hmm. And so like, I can project all of my things I don't like onto him and watch him get killed for it. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of projection going on. One of the earliest known death penalty laws was established in the 18th century BC in ancient Mesopotamia, and it was known as the Code of Hammurabi, or Hammurabi. The Code of Hammurabi is a preserved Babylonian code of law that dates back to 1754 BC, which seemed kind of specific. I don't know how they do that, but I'm going to trust historians. (laughs) It is one of the oldest deciphered writings on earth just in general and consists of 282 laws with punishments varying in severity based on the severity of the crime and scaled to one's social status and gender. A partial copy of the Code of Hammurabi currently resides in the Louvre Museum in Paris. A stone slab made of black diorite, standing just over seven feet tall. The slab was originally uncovered in modern-day Iran in the early 20th century. These laws are what are known as laws of retaliation, essentially an eye for an eye. Mm -hmm. While much of the code deals with payment contracts, such as what wages are to be paid for certain services and other matters like uh, inheritance and divorce, it also codified the death penalty for 25 different crimes. Here's an example. If a builder constructs a house poorly and that house falls and kills the owner, the builder is to be executed. Cool. If the owner's son was killed by the house, the builder's son was to be executed. If an unskilled doctor caused a patient to die or lose a limb, that doctor's hand would be cut off. Mm -hmm. So it's a very literal version of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth kind of thing. Yeah. So these retaliation punishments were not lessened or avoided by any form of excuse or explanation. However, an excused person was supposedly allowed to cast themselves into the Euphrates River And if the current carried them to shore, they were declared innocent, believed to have been saved by the gods. Those who drowned were deemed guilty. So if you couldn't swim, you were a criminal, (laughs) which I still currently believe. If you can't swim, you're probably a criminal. I would believe that. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. Why can't you just float? Doggy paddle. A doggy can do it. If a doggy can do it? (laughs) You should be able to do it. If a dead man can float? (laughs) Yeah. 
Death by drowning was sentenced to people who committed adultery, sexual assault, bigamy, bad conduct of wife, <laughs> and also seduction of a daughter-in-law. Now, death seduction by... Seduction of a daughter-in-law. Seduction of a daughter-in-law. You drown for that. Adultery was punished with the death of both parties, the person <gasps> and who they cheated with. Whoa. Okay. Interesting. Get ready. Um, <laughs> typically, it was the wife and her suitor uh, would be. That's really why. You know what I mean? Like just it was more, more patriarchy. Exactly. A man would seek punishment for a cheating wife, and then sometimes the person they cheated with. Okay. So they were drowned. Very radical. And burning, the only thing I could find that you would be burned for is incest with your own mother. So if you had a relationship with your own mother, you were set on fire. I'm, as you probably should be. So here are some more punishments. The laws discuss cutting off of the hand that strikes a father, 60 lashes for brutal assault of a superior, branding for slandering a married woman, disinheritance for sex with stepmother. <laughs> really specific. I, I approve. Moving along, ancient Jewish law found in the Torah assigns the death penalty to crimes such as murder, kidnapping, violating the Sabbath, various sex crimes, and the practice of magic. Wow. In ancient Greece, the death penalty can be found in the Athenian legal system. The first recorded Athenian legislator was Draco, who established the death penalty for a variety of crimes. The term draconian mm -hmm. comes from Draco. Huh. Draco's famously unforgiving laws were later repealed, and the death penalty was reserved exclusively for intentional homicide and only with the permission of the victim's family. Okay. They're being progressive. The Romans famously used capital punishment for many crimes and offenses. For example, the Colosseum. Okay, now it gets fun. Now, like, like it wasn't fun before. We, we were... got all that gunk out of the way. Now Are you trying to, to say the, the, Jews, the Jews aren't fun? I'm not saying they're not fun. I'm just saying that they're not a bunch of lions in a concrete dome. <laughs> the Colosseum is an oval amphitheater centered in Rome, Italy. It held 50,000 to 80,000 spectators, and the average audience was around 65,000. It housed many forms of entertainment, such as gladiator contests, animal hunts, plays, even mock sea battles. So the bottom of the Colosseum would be flooded with water to accommodate battleships. Mm -hmm. Like people would watch people reenact naval battles in the Colosseum. Mm. These events were called Munera, and those were orchestrated by private citizens, typically the uber wealthy. Munera actually, I think, derives from responsibility. Like the richer citizens owe it to put on these crazy shows to entertain people. Mm -hmm. So as Rome grew as an empire and expanded their influence and reign overseas, these shows implemented exotic beasts like lions, tigers, rhinoceros, hippos, crocodiles, giraffes, and bears. These events became a chance for these people to see things that they normally would never see, like lions mm, and like, like you know, zoo. like a zoo, a lot like a zoo, but also death and suffering, which is <laughs> really cool. You know, it's like if once every hour the zoo would throw a man into like the lion pit. Yeah. Be like, fuck yeah, let's watch this. Yeah, let's watch that. Sign me up. People found it very exciting. And so while these crazy shows were going on, they would have intermissions where people would go buy concessions or go to use the bathroom. And while that was happening, the state would put on public executions. <laughs> Slaves were often executed in theatrical fashion in ancient Rome. An example is damnatio ad bestias, which translates to condemnation to the beasts. And slave owners could have a disobedient or unfavored slave trampled by horses, gored by wild boars. Um, Upper-class criminals received swift and less humiliating executions, like beheading or falling on their own sword. Because mm -hmm. really a big part of executions also is the aspect of humiliation. Right, right. So a surviving advertisement exists in Pompeii, which boasts, quote, 20 pairings of gladiators and their backups will fight at Cumae on October 5th and 6th. There will also be crucifixions and a wild beast hunt. I would join. If I saw that hanging around, I'd be like, yeah. Why not check it out? A wild beast hunt. A wild beast hunt. Like, that's crazy. So in early Republican times in Rome, before it was an empire, it was the Roman Republic. Mm -hmm. um, in early Republican times, a popular form of Roman execution was death by the sack. This was Ooh. reserved for those charged with murdering their own father. The condemned were to be beaten with rods, hogtied, and a wolf's skin was placed over their head. Then... They were thrown into a large leather sack that contained a wild animal, such as snakes, roosters, dogs, or monkeys, sometimes all of the above. And that sack would be sealed and thrown into a body of water so that you would drown. But obviously, you got to think about it. If you're with a bunch of angry, confused wild animals in the sack, as they're drowning, they're going to be panicking and probably like, tearing you apart. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, let's talk about decapitation. Woo! Decapitation is the complete separation of the head from the body. This fatally deprives the brain of oxygenated blood and severs the spine at the neck, preventing involuntary functions that are required for the body and organs to survive. Man, that was a lot of information. That's a very long-winded way to say that you just don't have a head anymore. Exactly. From as early as 3000 BCE, humans have known that no head equals dead. Just like in a marriage. (laughs) (laughs) The terms capital offense and capital punishment derive from the Latin word for head, caput, referring to the severe punishment of execution by beheading. In medieval England and other parts of the world, an individual would be hired to carry out the actual execution, whether that's, you know, setting somebody on fire, hanging somebody, or in this case, beheading somebody. When it came to matters of the axe, the executioner is called the headsman. Okay. Now, many cultures throughout history actually considered decapitation to be an honorable death. In England, beheading was reserved for the noble class, while commoners were hanged by the neck. I wouldn't mind it. It's pretty quick and easy, eh? It's because it's um, the least humiliating. Like, you aren't being thrown to, like, a sack full of wild monkeys. It's pretty instant. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. I mean, that's what we'll get into is sometimes it was not so instant. Right, because some you have to hit it just right and with the right amount of force. Otherwise, like, yeah. you won't get it all in one clean sweep and you have to do multiple chops. Yeah, so an executioner would wield an axe, typically a one-handed hatchet, and aim to decapitate with one strong stroke. That was known as swinging true. A lot of higher class people would actually pay and bribe the executioner so that they would be killed in one uh, swoop. Yeah. And yep. if they weren't paid, a lot of the times they would purposefully do it in multiple swings yeah. to torture them. If you wanted to ensure or to maybe sweeten the pot a little bit, you would pay them whatever you had and be like, hey, buddy, I know you don't want to do this. I want to do this. How about you just let me die quick? Here's 25 cents. <laughs> and the goal was to like have as quick and painless of a death as possible, obviously. Right. But in a lot of cases, that wasn't the case. So headsmen and other executioners are often portrayed in pop culture. You'll always see them with like a hood. Yeah. But not all headsmen or hangmen wore a hood or robe at all because uh, most of the time people knew who the executioner was. Mm -hmm. The headsman's job was not a desirable one and often fell upon the local butcher or in some cases convicts who were offered the job to avoid their own execution. Mm -hmm. And in many accounts, an executioner would be chosen at random. Often it was a town drunk. And even those executioners who willingly took on the job developed drinking problems. Right. Executioners dealt with social ramifications due to their unattractive jobs, sometimes even forced to live on the edge of town. According to historian Joel Harrington, quote, people wouldn't have invited executioners into their homes. Many executioners were not allowed to go into churches. Some schools would not even take the children of executioners. That doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, like executioners are seen as, as an essential role in society. But then at the same time, they're also shunned from society. Right. Executioners were not necessarily sadistic people. Uh, They didn't like it. It was just a job for most of them. There's this diary from medieval Germany of this guy, Franz Schmidt, who worked as an executioner. Okay. Schmidt's journal recorded his personal accounts of 361 executions. Damn. And 345 minor punishments. The executions ranged from hanging and drowning to execution by sword, burning, and breaking wheel. The minor punishments mostly include whipping and ear or finger amputations. So in most cultures, an executioner is granted a warrant authorizing them to execute the condemned with protection from being charged with murder, which kind of is like a safety net for the executioner. He's legally allowed to do this thing that's illegal. Mm -hmm. A headsman, for example, was expected to kill the prisoner within at least three strokes of the axe, or he could face serious consequences such as withholding pay or imprisonment. Crowds also seemed to dislike people that were bad at executing. The crowd would turn on them. In some cases, they attacked them. Oh, my God. What? Yeah. I'm trying my best. Okay, so we're going to spread our wings and explore different methods of execution as a whole. I have some medieval methods as well, some cute, fun ones. Um, I don't have like a ton of details on them, but I just wanted to throw these out there because I feel like it's interesting. The kind of shit that the human can come up with to murder other humans. So to start off, we have sawing. (laughs) Okay. Like your fun uh, chainsaw method. Yeah. Basically, they would take people and hang them upside down. Kind of like a reverse crucifixion. They would pin their legs and they, they would like spread their legs and then pin them 
onto posts and they would be hanging upside down. Mm-hmm. And then they would take a really long saw mm-hmm. and basically saw them from mm-hmm. groin to head. But they wouldn't go all the way down usually. Like they would go a little <laughs> like halfway through. So all of the blood would go to their head and chest and it would stay there where it would take them several hours to fully die. What the fuck? Jesus yeah. Christ. That was just called sawing? Yeah, it was called sawing. <sighs> You know, loggers, how they had, like, two people, one on either side of the saw to, yeah. like, get the get the treat. You can think of that, but it's a person that they're sawing. Oh, so it was like a two-handled saw. Yeah. Like, two men were actively working to saw oh, through yeah, one man. Oh, yeah, because you have so many bones to get through. Oh, okay. Whoa. You have to saw through your whole pelvis. <laughs> imagine how hard that would be. I, yeah. I'm trying not to imagine how hard that would be. Ooh. Ouch. Ouch. Also, fuck. Ouch. Uh, also, fuck. Uh, <laughs> this one is also an, oh, fuck. Uh, this is the Judas Cradle. Oh, man. So this was used for torture and also for executions. So basically you can think of a stool, like a regular four-pronged stool, mm-hmm. but on top of it was a pyramid. So basically you would have victims sit on the pointed end of the pyramid and it would go into either their anus or vagina uh. and they were then pressed onto the pyramid. So oh, like, man, I'm having a hard time listening to these. Yeah, so they would, like, you know, yeah. put their hands on their shoulders, and they would, like, press the ah. person down so that the oh spike God. the spike <laughs> of the pyramid would go, go up butt. slowly go up and in, into their, like, into chest. Them. So <sighs> it would kill them through impalement or by causing so much muscle and tissue damage that the victim would become septic and die yeah, yeah, later yeah, on. Yeah. So that could even take hours man. doing that. Oh, I've... Oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. I can like feel my nervous system right now. That's what this is my doing. My ass is puckering. <laughs> <laughs> my butthole, my butthole is puckered. Uh-huh. Uh, this one you mentioned, you didn't talk about it, but you mentioned it as like one of the things in that guy's journal. Yeah. Of executions, the breaking wheel. Yes, I know this one is very disgusting. This one's gross. So basically, you have like a large wooden wheel, mm-hmm. and you would tie someone to it or fasten them to it in some way. So you would have like their arms spread and their legs spread. And basically they would have these like iron cudgels. Sure. Cudgel. It's like a, almost like a bat, but like it would fit in your hand, like one hand, kind of like a blackjack or something. Okay. Like a beaten rod? Is that what yeah, this is? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. They would have an iron rod and basically they would pummel These people on the wheel, they would just whack at them um, to break all of their bones. And after being broken on the wheel, Mm. they would then be left out to die, which would take days. Just left there? Yeah, they they would just leave them. They would break all their bones and then they would just leave them there to die. So like probably animals, animals would get to them. For sure, yeah, for sure. And yeah, they couldn't go anywhere because they were completely disfigured. Because they were disassembled. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, uh, Man, I'm, yeah, this is people um, were brutal. Yep, yep. So then we have the fun classic burned at the stake. Oh yeah, this which is, is a... uh, supposed to be one of the most painful. Actually, it was common for killing heretics in Europe, which we all kind of already know. In modern periods, it was used for killing witches, mm. um, but that one is common as well, where you would tie someone to a stake or a log and you would burn them. Yeah, and if they didn't burn, they were a witch. And if they did burn, ugh, whoops, we didn't kill a witch. (laughs) But they all died because who the fuck wouldn't? Right, yeah. We have flaying, which is where you basically peel off people's skin while they're alive. So you would take a knife and you would basically separate the skin from like the muscle and other like tissue. Yes. And you would slowly peel it and strip it off them. Yeah. And they would eventually die from like being exposed uh-huh. from the pain. Uh-huh. But that was also used for torture too because they would flay people. Um they, but they would do like fingers, like they would flay fingers, which is extremely painful and let that heal and then they would just like keep flaying yeah. different areas of their body. Okay. Um, that was used to punish witches, criminals and traitors. Ah. Traders with a T or like Trader Joe's? Like Trader Joe's. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> You're trading things? No. Uh, no, not even, not right now. So we have 
people being hanged, drawn, and quartered, mm -hmm. which was uh, very popular during the medieval ages. So basically, first, a person would be tied to a horse and dragged to the site of the execution. Mm -hmm. They would then be hanged almost to the point of death because you suffocate when you're hung. Yeah. And then, while they're still alive, they would be disemboweled. So they would... Oh, that's a lot going on there. Yeah. So they, It's a combo breaker right, <laughs> right there. There's more. They'd be dragged by a horse, hung, disemboweled, like they would cut um, basically your stomach open Ooh. and all your um, intestines and entrails yeah. would come out. Sometimes you wouldn't die by that either. You would have to like suffer through that because it takes a little bit to actually bleed out. Yeah. And then after they <laughs> took out your entrails and burned them... Why, why you got to burn them? Why you got to burn them? Who knows? What the fuck? For funsies. For funsies. For shits and giggles. Right. You take all their entrails out and you would burn them. And then the executioners would behead them and then quarter the body. So you'd cut off the arms and the legs so you get one stumpy torso. Oh, God. I have more. <laughs> uh, this is my last one for like medieval fun stuff. Yeah. Okay. So this is the head crusher. This was a... I, I, you know what? Maybe you don't even need to go into this one. <laughs> so this one is a torture device, um, but it was also used for executions mm -hmm. uh, that works by crushing the skull. So think of like a... What do you call it when you're... That thing that has your arms and head put it in and people throw tomatoes at it? A stalk or something? Yeah, the stalks. The stalks, yeah. Um, so think of like a stalk where they would have your arms and mm -hmm. head restrained. Yeah. And they would have a press basically so like an iron press that would shape like a helmet it looked mm -hmm. like a helmet and it had like a screw on the top so you'd slowly turn it and it would oh my slowly God. go it would down that, around your head yeah it, the helmet would slowly go down on your head and your head is sitting on like a table i just pictured what that would look like on a face like slowly like collapsing mm -hmm. so yeah it, it would basically very slowly and painfully press the jaw to the crown of the head, like a helmet, slowly Man. crushing your head toward each other. So it would break the jaw, your teeth, your facial bones, and it would also slowly squeeze your eyes out of the sockets. Oh, God. Oh, my God. So. Jesus. I mean, I'm going to need to watch some SpongeBob after this. <laughs> I know that one's, that's a fun, it's a fun little uh, trip down memory lane. So if you ever hear people who are like, oh, I would love to go back in time. No. Remind no. them of the Judas Cradle. The Judas Priest. Yeah. Man, that's disgusting. That's repulsive. Yeah, that's fun. The head crusher especially. Yeah, right? The eyes like bulging out of your skull while your jaw breaks and you're just like, oh, you have to like, you would like crush your own teeth. Uh, you almost can't picture it because it's you, it's you coming together. It's Blech. like you squeezing together. Right. The only people that deserve to get their head crushed is people who crushed other people's heads, I feel like. <laughs> you know, it's like that's the only thing I can think of that that is worthy the, of that. The level. only person that should be crushing my head is a woman with her thighs. With her disproportionate <laughs> Chicago ass. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, well I guess we'll step what we want to step a little bit further into uh, away from the Middle Ages. Yeah. Like the noose. The noose, yeah. Hanging? I, I'll take a hanging, yeah. Yeah. Want to get hanged? Yeah. I'll, That's what a lot of I'll people hang. get wrong. They always say like, oh, he was hung by the neck, but it's hanged. It's always hanged. I don't know why. Really? Um, but hung means that you have a large penis. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't even have to say this, but I'm going to say this because I literally wrote this down. Hanging is the suspension of a person by a noose or constrictive ligature around the neck, leading to strangulation or breaking of the neck, leading to death. Fun. Fun times. Here's some methods of hanging. So you got the short drop, the standard drop, and the wow. long and the, and the long drop. Um, so the short drop, one of the earlier forms of hanging, the prisoner is brought on top of like a stool, a ladder, a cart, or some other small raised platform, not very tall, not very high up, with a noose around their neck, and then the support is moved away. So you push the wagon away, you drop, take the stool out from under them, yeah. and when the support's gone, obviously they fall downward, they put all the weight of their body goes around the noose around their neck, and they suffocate. And this could take as long a, to, from 10 to 20 minutes. Damn. So with 10 to 20 10 minutes. 10 to 20 minutes, you're, you're suffocating. <sighs> um, yeah, because the short drop, like, it wasn't long enough to break your neck at all. I, I'm sure in some cases, someone's neck probably cracked. But typically, you would just uh, be strangled. <laughs> Thanks, man. That's been bugging me for weeks. Yeah, right. <laughs>
Oh man, that's how, and this is yeah. This is I feel like like uh, modern day chiropractors like they came from this right the head crusher. So let's move on to the standard drop. A prisoner in this method, a prisoner is dropped four to six feet. So we're getting kind of taller. Mm-hmm. Think of like the scaffolding at, at a gallows. So they drop through that. If this became commonplace due to the increased likelihood of the neck breaking instead of just straight up strangulation. So they're like, oh, this is a more humane way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't always break the neck. So it just increased the probability of a quicker death. So they're like, well, that's good. And so eventually they, w- they came up with the long drop. This was introduced in 1872 by career hangman William Marwood. I saw a picture of this guy and he looks like he would uh, create a new way of hanging people. He looked like um, if you took like a troll doll and left it in a lake for like a year and came Ooh. back for it. He sounds like a WWE wrestler. The hangman. The hangman. William the hangman Marwood. <laughs> so this was considered a scientific advancement in the world of hanging. I feel like it didn't require much to find a scientific advancement in the world of hanging. Instead <laughs> of one universal drop distance, the prisoner's weight and height were measured to provide the right amount of slack on the rope needed to break the neck. So it was pretty much ensured that your neck would break. One incident where the long drop proved perhaps too effective was the hanging of Blackjack Ketchum. Badass name. Love it. Blackjack Ketchum. In 1901, uh, I think this was in like New Mexico or some Western territory, the executioners hadn't accounted for the significant weight Ketchum had put on while in custody, <laughs> instead adjusting the drop for his previously recorded weight. The rope's incompatible length decapitated Ketchum. Ooh. His head literally, there's a picture of it, I saw it, it was horrifying. Whoa. His head literally just like <laughs> popped off. It was messy, but like it just <laughs> came off like a toothpaste cap. Whoa. That so, is amazing. And that wasn't their goal the entire time? No, that should have yeah, been. No, it was a big deal. Like everyone there was like, look at that. Oh my God. This was oh messed up. Oh my God. I thought this was interesting. In the early days of hanging, the original the original like thing was to be hanged by the neck. But since early hangings were not always successful, meaning they weren't always lethal, some people would not die. And so they got off on technicality because they were hanged by the neck and they didn't die. So then that means they paid their, they paid their sentence. Mm-hmm. And so they were freed. Whoa. So then they changed it to hanged by the neck until dead. Huh. So people that didn't always die, you'd rehang them if they didn't die. Right. Hanging was used here in America as capital punishment up until 1936. Yeah. You want to know why? Why? Because the electric chair was invented and it took uh, its place. What? Uh, <laughs> electric chair? Yeah. Is that a dance move that the kids are doing? Yeah, it goes... Burp, 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 burp. Well, this is a podcast, so they can't see a dance. Well, I was going to say, um, if you <laughs> rudely interrupted me, <laughs> if you could imagine what dance moves you would do to that, that is the electric chair. That. That's the electric chair. Yep. I hear that noise, and what is that kinetically? What would that look like in your brain? Mm-hmm. Figure it out. That's the electric chair. I bet all of you will come up with the exact same move, and I want to see it. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, The electric chair was invented in the 1880s by Thomas Edison. Cool. Oh, wait. The guy that made (laughs) light bulbs a thing? I was waiting for (laughs) (laughs) Wait, Thomas Edison. Thomas Alva Edison. Oh, I want to just put this out there. I hate his middle name. All right. Alva. 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 Yeah. And it's actually interesting. The concept of the electric chair came from arc lighting, which is a type of outdoor street lighting that use excessively high voltage to, you know, light streets and things. Yeah. But not so good because... Because it fried the hell out of anything. <laughs> because it literally killed people. There are stories of people dying by these lights all over the place because they would, like, want to fuck around with them or go to, like, the buildings where I the voltage came tastes. from. I want to see how it tastes. Yeah, and they would just, like, fuck around with it and then they would die instantly without leaving a mark. So uh, old Thomas buddy saw that and was like, huh, that is interesting. I wonder what we could do with that implication. Um, maybe kill more people. Yeah, I hell think, yeah. I think would be a good start. Um, yep. So that's exactly what happened. George E. Fell and Alfred P. Southwick saw this and ran a series of experiments electrocuting hundreds of stray dogs. Ooh, so that's, like, that's, a good, that's a good way to spend a summer. Mm-hmm. They're like, I feel like we're really onto something mm-hmm. with this outdoor lighting. Um, and I feel like we really should electrocute dogs, dogs. to dogs. really, to really uh, hound on that one. 
So they ran trials of dogs in and out of water. They varied the electrode type and the placement until they came up with a reliable method to euthanize them. Here's the thing. I think after the third dog gave electrocuted to death, I think you, you don't need to test it out anymore. I feel like you don't need to do it to any dog. Of course. I feel like you crank up... But if you've up... already begun to kill dogs with electricity, stop at three. I feel like they already had a reliable method because they had the outdoor lighting and they knew what the voltage was in that. So why not just use that? If you kill one dog, you should know this could kill things, realistically. It killed people already, so I'm saying. Instantly, with with no mark. Yeah, but then you got to have it be in a lab setting, Okay. And you got to use dogs. That, that is the lab. Life is the lab. Life is the lab. In this case, a laboratory <laughs> tree. Hooray! <laughs> wow, we're, we're so good. We're so good. <laughs> we, try to, we try to eat each other's words right there. <laughs> lab, lab, lab. Laboratory <laughs> tree. <laughs> wow. Uh, cool. So they originally saw this and thought it would be a quicker and less painful way of execution than hanging. This came from a series of botched hangings in the United States at the time, where there was a lot of criticisms on that type of execution. Rest and in peace, Blackjack Ketchum. <laughs> <Rest in peace. laughs> yeah, so people were not happy with the hangings anymore, and so they were really looking for alternatives. We don't like when the heads come off. Yeah. Too many heads were exploding. So the Jerry Commission came into effect uh, mm. to find alternative methods of execution. And eventually they made their way to the experiments that they were doing with the dogs and they recommended using a chair and making it an electric chair mm. where they would place metal conductors attached to the person's head and feet to kill somebody this was passed and put into legislature legislature legislator <laughs> legislature <laughs> you're just gonna get it wrong no matter what Legis they're all right legislator Legis that sounds wrong legislature Let's it, legislature. Leg it does. That isn't right. Legislator. Le no, no, that's too much later. Legislature. Le Legislator. <laughs> Legislature. Oh, man. It was okay, made. Okay, move on. It was, a bill was made and put into effect. Boom. In 1888. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it was originally thought to damage the brain, but actually the death comes from causing the heart to pump incorrectly. Like it, it messes with the electricity in the heart because I don't know if you know this or the people know this you have electrical currents that go through your heart that's like what an EKG or like that little line thingy my doodad is in like medical yeah. shows and things where it yeah. goes like burr, 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 and yep. all that shit that's the electricity in your heart and that's what tells it to pump at a reasonable time so when you're putting that much electricity into the body it fucks up the rhythm of the heart and okay. basically you go into cardiac arrest Okay. And you die from your heart stopping. Sounds painful. It is painful. It is. So basically, <laughs> <laughs> to prep somebody to die by electric chair, what they would do is they would shave your head and legs and put you into a diaper because you shit yourself. Mm. So they strap you into the chair so you can't move. And they would form a jury to watch you through a glass window. Yep. And they would cover your face with a mask so you couldn't see anything. So this was considered to be like a really humiliating way to die because yeah. you had to like go through all these steps and it was supposed to be very scary too. I mean, like any any way to die is scary, but like you're really led up to it and you have all these people watching you and you're like in a diaper and like you your head is shaved. <laughs> so you're like ugly. It sounds like a nightmare you've had. Like. <laughs> Oh, I was in a diaper and my head was shaved and everyone was uh, looking at me through a mirror and I was in a spicy chair. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I, I feel like you say the words and it's like, oh, ugh. but when you actually put it all together, like, yeah, that's actually terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely. Terrifying to think of. Right. Like, just shoot me in the head. Right. Like, why are we doing this? Exactly. We have guns. So various cycles of a change in voltage and duration and alternating currents would pass through your body to cause fatal damage to internal organs. So there were two main jolts. The first jolt was intended to cause unconsciousness, while the second was intended to cause the damage to organs that would kill you. Yeah. I'm going to assume that a lot of times people stayed awake for longer than they should have. I'm, sh I'm sure. You know? Yeah. The other thing about the electric chair is it also just looks so goofy because you're just going like... <laughs> 
Also, your muscles. That's what moves your muscles is contraction via right. like electricity and things. So right. when you're passing that much voltage and electricity through your body, it's causing them all to contract sporadically. So it's still used in a few different states, actually, currently. Alabama, Florida, South Carolina, and Virginia all still have the electric chair. Wow, and I thought it was gone everywhere. Well, you can opt in for it. So it's not like the preferred... Who the fuck is going <laughs> to opt in on that? <laughs> yeah, right? It's not like the primary method. We use lethal injection yeah, right. mostly now. And that started around like the 80s. And that's its own whole thing. Like lethal injection is very painful and a lot of room for error with that as well. That's interesting. I didn't yeah. know that either. But yeah, some prisoners can choose to die by electric chair if they don't want to receive a lethal injection. So lethal injection started being used in like the 80s, and that worked by causing a person to become unconscious, stop their breathing, and cause the heart to stop in that order. But yeah, lethal injection also can take you hours to die. Yeah, because apparently there were a number of botched executions using lethal injection. Mm -hmm. And so that's why they opened up the option of the electric chair because that's a more oh, reliable like, okay, yeah, way wow, to die. Yeah. Bringing back an old favorite. Mm -hmm. So speaking of the executioners, I want to talk about two um, sort of interesting ones that I that I found. One very infamous English executioner, John Ketch, also known as Jack Ketch. And he was notorious for purposefully botching executions and causing prisoners maximum suffering. He was active from 1663 to 1686. He was employed by King Charles II. And... Um, Honestly, no one really knew if Ketch botched executions intentionally or if he was mm, just... That horrible at if it. If he just sucked at his job. But, for example, Lord William Russell, who was an English politician, was sent to the block. The block is uh, what you go to when you get your head cut off. Um, <laughs> he was sent to the block for treason against the king. And Ketch reportedly made such a mess of his beheading that he published a public letter of apology. Damn. So, on the other spectrum... This is uh, the executioner known as John Thrift. Mm -hmm. He was an English executioner known for his intense nervousness and apparent stage fright. <laughs> I, I read a bunch about... I'm just like imagining some guy going up to cut off a guy's head and he's just like... Oh dear, oh, I'm God. so sorry. Please um, don't look at me. Um, I'm just trying <laughs> yeah, to do like, my job. Oh God, oh dear. Oh, it's very, no. He's very much like, oh no. <laughs> um, he's like when someone who's afraid of flying has to get on a plane. They're mm -hmm. just like very shaky and sweaty. Yeah. John Thrift often would become emotional, you know, show a great discomfort, and people would uh, laugh at him for that. Oh, gosh, but, me too. Yeah. John Thrift was mostly a hangman, but was still required to carry out beheadings despite his inexperience and jittery nature. <laughs> he did not work well under pressure at all. Um, <laughs> on one occasion, John Thrift had to give the axe to two lords that were being executed. So large crowds came to witness these specific executions, and after arriving atop the scaffolds, John Thrift stared out at the sea of spectators shouting and cheering and was stricken with stage fright. When the first lord approached the scaffolding, Thrift fainted. <laughs> and officials revived him with a glass of wine. And after composing himself, Thrift finally met with his victim, Lord Kilmarnock. And as the nobleman reached the top of the scaffolding, Thrift burst into tears. Oh my God. And he was given more wine to calm his nerves. And uh, Lord Kilmarnock gave Thrift a gift of coin and Thrift regained control over his emotions and swung true. Why do I feel like him being an executioner is just an elaborate practical joke? Let's give this guy this job. Right. Like, oh, there. Oh, we, no. we know you'd be so bad at it, so let's just make <laughs> let's him just do it. Let's laugh at John. Give him the axe. <laughs> um, and so when it came to slay the second lord, named Lord Balmerino, mm -hmm. Thrift was once again shaken, seemingly by Balmerino's imposing frame. This is a very big, intimidating guy. Thrift, visibly shaken and getting kind of emotional, he asked for Balmerino's forgiveness, and the Lord reportedly said to Thrift, Friend, you need not ask me to forgive you, and then handed Thrift money for a swift axing. Once the Lord had situated himself atop the chopping block, he gave Thrift the signal to commence with the execution. That was normal. When you're at the block, you would get yourself situated, and then you would give a signal, and then the executioner would go. However, Balmerino signaled quite abruptly, which startled Thrift, throwing him off his game, and he uh, missed. <laughs> Completely? <laughs> yeah, instead giving the Lord a very, very bad flesh wound. Oh, so no. think you imagine the Lord's just screaming the entire time. Yeah, and then it, it, so 
my, my friend, you will do well. And he just completely chops off his oh nose. God. And he's like, oh, God. Oh. oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, man. Butterfingers. Um, it then took Thrift two more swings to kill him. So Damn. his awkwardness and like general incompetence earned him a ton of disrespect. Yeah. Even at his funeral, they try to like rip him from his casket. They, like, they, they just don't like him. Because he really, um, he botched like so many executions. He was like known to faint and to cry. I imagine he's just begging to not have this he's job like, anymore. Have some different job. He would also, he would always wear like a big white suit <laughs> for executions. Very fancy. But yeah. That's John Thrift. Um, I love the him. Worst, the worst executioner ever. I love him. My favorite man to have ever been. Also interesting thing um, with the chopping block. Mm-hmm. Early on in poor villages, the chopping block was just like a piece of wood. Yeah. But eventually, because it was used for nobility, it was like a special carved piece of stone. Mm-hmm. And it would have like a divot for your chin to rest in. Mm-hmm. And then um, a divot for your shoulders to rest in. And then the flat part was where your neck fell. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of stretched out your neck to make a bigger target for the axe. Oh, that was interesting. Yeah, that's like a fun fact. Still terrible. I still would not want to be beheaded. I feel like that would be a fun, exciting way to go out. Well, not... Mm, what? Mm-hmm. Fun? Yeah. And then you get John Thrift up there. That's he's what, like, uh, oh, God. Oh, John. Oh, oh, Johnny, you've done it again. <laughs> if you had to pick from one of, the, one of these methods we discussed, what would you want to die from? If you committed a crime and you were sentenced to death, mm-hmm. how would you want to be executed? Definitely beheading. Really? Well, what's your pick? I think hanging. Eh, no, I don't want to suffocate. I, like the long drop, though, where they measure it for your body weight and you just snap your neck and you're can gone. I, can I do the blackjack method? Your head explodes? Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. That, I mean, honestly, it's probably even a more definite death. I want people to make postcards of my death and then spread them around. Like, can you fucking believe this? Yeah, shit? though, the picture I saw of Blackjack Ketchum with his exploded head, it was like these grizzled, leathery farm hands mm-hmm. posing next to it. Like it was a large watermelon at a state fair. <laughs> they're just like posing like it was not a body that was exploded. Right. They're like, can you fucking believe like, this? Yeah, I'm going to send this picture to my children. Yeah. No, I'd want I'd want to die in a sword fight with somebody. I want to die a righteous death. A righteous death. Yeah. I want to be an old ass woman. Carrying around a sword, a sword and my cane. Yeah. And your cane is your sword. There yeah. You go. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. And it's like one of those hidden ones where, like, you you lift up the top of the cane and, and it's a sword. The blade pokes out. Mm-hmm. I want to have that, and I want to be walking down the street, and some young whippersnapper looks at me and thinks I'm no threat at all, and decides to then go challenge you, attack uh, somebody nearby, and then I swoop in to rescue them. And I, com- oh. I completely demolish the attacker, but in defense of uh, me trying to save this other person, they stab me and I slowly bleed to death while the uh, person I'm saving cradles you, my body yeah, and they're like, you thank arms. you, I will never forget you. And I say, don't worry, I'm an old woman and I've lived my years. And I've already forgotten you. Yeah. Live poop. live long you, and prosper, and then, then I do the I do the um, fucking um, like Spock thing Spock hand. as yeah. I die, and then it, the Spock hand cradles my yeah. chest yep. for the paramedics to come and try and revive me, but they just can't. They're not even gonna try. And then the victim old, is crying in the corner. She's the most wise woman I've ever met. Yeah, wow, this is the most unrealistic scenario. That's how I want to die. <laughs> Spock hand, touch your heart. Why would they revive you? You're an old woman who has a, a serious sword wound. Why would they not revive me? They're just going to let me die? That seems sad. You're already dead. When I die, I want you to cook up batteries and, uh, and try to revive me. Hmm. Use the electric chair for good. Take a dead body, put it in there, use that as like a 9-volt battery to the heart. Mm-hmm. And boom, I'll, I'm alive again. Uh, boom. Yeah, boom, I'm alive again. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, uh, and I said, uh, boom, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> I want someone to make a soundboard of us. I want that to be one of them. And I said, uh, boom, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate okay, I think that's like a. Uh, I think place that's. To I leave think off. it's the only place to leave off. Um. So good vibes. Good vibes. Oh man, we're gonna need some good vibes after that. Um. Good vibes to having a friend group and having fun. Friends, and friends, and support systems. Woo. Friendos. My good vibe is sending some love to all the John Thrifts of the world. 
Mm, maybe you're yeah. ha- maybe you've been assigned a task that is that feels too great for you, too too big. And <laughs> it is. And it is. And you will <laughs> not get over it and you will probably fail. And that's okay because you shouldn't be doing that task. You yeah. know? You should be doing the task that you were made to do, which is in John Thrift's case, probably like arranging bouquets, mm-hmm. designing uh, floral arrangements. I imagine him as licking feet. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. John Thrift definitely had a very serious, debilitating foot fetish. <laughs> I think I'm projecting. Right. Yes. Yes. You yes. definitely are. Oh, oh God. Oh, oh, God. Oh, oh, if only I had a toe to suck on. Ooh. Oh, dear. I'm so verklempt. Oh, thank God. Oh, he's Jewish. I don't know why. Okay. So if you <laughs> enjoyed that, um, feel free to let us know. You can send us an email at according to an idiot at gmail.com. Give us some suggestions, feedback. Anything you want. If you want to just say you like my voice, uh, that's also more than welcome. You can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at According to an Idiot or our Twitter at Idiots Accord. Also, please leave a review on iTunes if you are feeling very nice and bountiful and fertile. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know what you think and I'll read the review on our next episode. Yep. That's all there is. We have a Patreon now. Check it out if you care to. It's a tough time for everybody with money right now. So if you can, that's awesome. If you can't, that's even awesomer. Well, it's not awesomer, but you know. Uh, We respect your decision. I I respect your decision. Absolutely. Absolutely. Keep that in mind. And I don't know if you can follow us without paying or anything. Just keep an eye out for it. Just, Just keep an eye out for it. Something to look forward to in the future. And if you have any suggestions on tiers or rewards or anything like that, uh, feel free to let us know and send us an email or something. But I think we will leave it off there. Yes. And and give us give us that juicy end bit. Give us oh okay now boy oh boy oh boy. Oh. I need you to hurry because I'm gonna fart so hard in a second. Piss so bad. <laughs> okay, thank you everybody for listening. I will see you in time. I love you. Say I love you to the people. I love you too, people. Okay, bye. Bye.